Hello and welcome back to your virtual coffee table. Grab yourself a cuppa and then we'll get on with the show. This is episode 5 and it features lardy cake. Okay, as mentioned, lardy cake. And I suspect there's people here listening who haven't got the faintest idea what lardy cake is. Um, I know it as a very good treat that we used to have as kids that my dad used to bring home on a Saturday usually when he came home from work. And let me tell you, it is something else when it comes straight out of the oven and you eat it hot, but it is a little bit messy. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the question was, what exactly is lardy cake and where did it come from? because I don't know. Um, So I went and had a bit of a dig. Traditionally, lardy cake is supposed to be a Dorset luxury. And until very recently, I hadn't heard anyone mention it for ages. So why is it called lardy cake? The mention of this very sticky cake and the memories it brought back was something I needed to look into a bit further. It's absolutely gorgeous and now I can't obviously eat them anymore. But it is one of those things that as a kid it brings back all sorts of memories. And yes it looks a mess but it's the most gorgeous thing you will ever taste. Unfortunately if you're vegetarian then they're not very good for you because they are made with pig fat which is actually lard. In which case... You know, it's definitely not vegetarian. <laughs> lardy cake has more than one name. There's regional variations. It's also known as lardy bread, lardy john's, dough cake and fawzies cake, which makes it sound like it should have feet. <laughs> it's a traditional rich spiced form of bread found in several southern counties of England, each claiming to provide the original recipe. And here we go. It remains a popular weekend tea cake in some of the southern counties, including Sussex, Hampshire, Berkshire, Wiltshire and Dorset. Now, I actually live in Berkshire. I was born in Berkshire. So that might explain why a lot of my friends have never even heard of lardy cake, let alone tasted it. (laughs) Um, Because obviously, if it's a traditional cake from this area, and it does say here that it is unrecorded in the southeast counties of Essex and Kent and nobody seems to know why right the cake is made like this it's very highly calorific non-vegetarian tea bread the counties in question that claim to have the original recipe for this are Sussex, Hampshire, Berkshire, Somerset, Gloucestershire and Oxfordshire and basically a huge swathe of southeast West England, in fact. Now, I discovered that it says since lard comes from pigs, which was something I didn't know, um, it seems reasonable to assume those counties which had the highest pig population as to be the most likely originators of lardy cake, or lardy bread, as it's also known, or in Sussex, lardy John's or Fawzi's cake. Quintessentially, lardy cake is made from equal quantities of clarified pig fat, i.e. the lard, and sugar thickened with flour to make a dough. Now you can see there, it's not very good for you. 
it's a heart attack on a plate, really, if you think about it. <laughs> During the war, they used to use clarified beef dripping. Um, you can also make lardy cake with butter, but since the clue is in the name, that would not exactly constitute a true lardy cake. It would be a buttery cake um, because the lardy cake is made with lard. The clue's in the name. The dough's then thinly ra- rolled and layered with spice and dried fruit. Sugar is then sprinkled over the top. The lard mixes with the sugar at the edges of the bread. And yes, it is technically a bread to form a gooey, crisp caramel. A lardy cake is best eaten hot straight from the oven. It becomes the loveliest, sticky, gooey, squidgy cake. I mean, it's one of those things where you have to be in your eight-year-old party mood for this as as you probably think in the description it is very messy to eat but it's gorgeous and you spend forever licking your fingers <laughs> um you go of course you can eat it cold but it's nowhere near as good Another weird question that pops up in conversation, as it does when you're down the pub or you're around the coffee table or you have friends round or you're having a cup of tea or whatever, um, was what's the difference between sweetbreads and sweet meats? Now, sweetbreads, I, you know, somebody was saying, oh, are they sweet? Is it like mincemeat, as in the stuff you get in mince pies? Because uh, that's also confusing. Um <laughs> Is it bread? Is it this? Is it that? And I just said, I actually think it's technically qualified as awful. What I didn't realise was actually how right I actually was. Let me just read this out to you. Sweetbreads are often confused as the testicles of an animal. However, they're actually two separate glands. The thymus gland from the throat and the pancreatic gland from the heart or stomach that are taken from calves or lambs. This means that the name can be very confusing, as they are neither sweet nor bread. They're classed as awful. Of course, what you mustn't do is confuse this with sweetmeats, which are something entirely different, as these are classed as sweets. So they're basically anything that is of confectionery or candy kind, such as candied peel, sugared almonds, sugar plums, bonbons, etc. As long as it is prepared with sugar, honey, or anything similar, it it is classed as a sweetmeat, which also includes, obviously, cakes and pastries. Now, as you are my listeners, you may or may not be aware that my blog is called charity shop hopping and other things now the reason this started was because i was made redundant i had to cut down on my um spending not that that worked very well but you know we had to have a go <laughs> and uh you know we had to cut and i had to be able to source good quality clothing for myself and the rest of my family Looking around the charity shops these days has now become a bit more of a hobby because you really, really do not know what you're going to find and sometimes you can dig up some real treasure. Um, I know it's a cliche and people sort of go around the charity shops and 
the boot sales looking for the treasure. Chances are you won't find it. But there are some good deals to be had if you look around. Um, I mean, obviously you have to do it fairly regularly because obviously if they're selling the stuff, it's not going to be there two days later when you go back. Some stuff it might be, but you can't guarantee that. Whereas obviously if you go into a shop, you can guarantee that because they'll have enough stock. Um, I had a, I've had a couple of good finds. Um, and one was whatever your views are on down clothing, as in clothing filled with feathers. Um, you know, to me, it's already been done. The person who bought it new bought it, maybe not knowing. I don't know. I wouldn't knowingly go and buy down clothing like that uh, but this piece of clothing was second hand it was considerably cheaper than it would have been new unfortunately I bought this down coat three days before we had the snow <laughs> earlier on in the in the year now I had a holofill well I've still got it a holofill jacket which was supposed to go down to minus five But the problem is, it obviously, it's nearly 20 years old, so it's lasted a long time, you know. It's, it's not as effective as it used to be. And I am a cold body, so when it gets really, really cold, I feel it. And I actually like something that's really warm. Now, this jacket looked really warm, and I didn't have any idea that it was down. I just picked it up, and I thought, oh, that's really nice. This is what you get for wandering around in Oxfam. <laughs> I picked it up. The price tag, 50 quid. Now, when I looked at it, I went away and I looked it up properly into phase eight, which is where it came from. And I looked at it properly and I checked out all the labelling and all the rest of it. If I'd bought it new, it would have cost me nearly £200. So 50 quid was nothing, really, if you think about it, and it was something I needed. Again, another item, again, well, not unfortunately, just because my local Oxfam happens to have the volunteers that can pat test the electricals before we put them out for sale, so they're already tested before they go out for sale. Um, I just happen to be in the right place at the right time. When my vacuum cleaner decided that it wasn't going to have any suction anymore. <laughs> and it completely packed up. We couldn't figure out what was going on. The whole hose was clear. The filter was clear. Everything was clear. The motor was going. It just wasn't picking anything up. And I don't know why. Um, so obviously we were pretty sure that the motor was on its way out. Anyway, that packed up. And about two days before, I'd been in Oxfam doing a shift <laughs> and there was Hetty sitting there now I've wanted one of those for a very long time and because of that I looked at it looked at the price tag 75 quid went home checked online to see how much a brand new one would cost and then looked at the price again now, £75, I was told it had been used once, so it was virtually brand new, with all the attachments, the hoses, everything, in a separate bag. 
and along with some spare um, hoover bags, bags for Hetty. And, um, you know, and I looked at that. And if you bought it new, it was £129 upwards. And this one was 75 quid. And we needed it. And I've wanted one for a long time. And the reason we haven't had one for a long time is because I couldn't afford it. So £75 just for being in the right place at the right time. Like I said, you never know what you're going to find. It's happened two or three times to me. We've had some quite good finds, electrical finds in Oxfam, because obviously they're one of the only shops that can... um, sell electricals because we have the volunteers willing to test them um the other thing i've had from there that was electrical was a a nutri ninja now my daughter had been after a nutri bullet for a long long time um but this was a nutri ninja and when i looked at it Brand new, still in the packaging. Hadn't even been taken out of the box. It had been taken out, obviously, to be tested. But all the packaging was there. Everything was there. And when I looked at the price, £45. Now, I know everybody's going, oh, yeah, that's really expensive. It's really expensive. But when you add up what I actually paid for those three items against what I would have paid for them, you suddenly realise how much money I actually saved. (laughs) Um, because the Nutri Ninja, not the Nutri Ninja, whatever it was called, um, I can't remember what it was called. Anyway, the automatic blender thingy um, was £45. And when I looked it up online in two or three places, it was averaging 75 to 80 quid plus upwards. Now, those three items, 50, 75 and 45, so what's that, 125 quid? No, it's more than that, 150. 150 quid. Now, if I bought all those new, you were looking at nearly £300. So there's half the price for what essentially are the same items. They just, okay, the coat had been used. And Hetty had been used. But at the end of the day, if it's something I needed, which I did, I needed a new Hoover, a new vacuum cleaner, because otherwise nothing would have gone done and it just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Um, Again, the coat was very much the same. It was something I needed and it happened to be in the right place at the right time. So, you know, just get out there and have a look. There are loads of things out there you can find. Pots. I mean, if if you've seen any of my YouTube things, you'll know that flower pots are quite a good one that I usually go and look for. And I keep going, oh, no, I mustn't get any more of the flower pots unless I need them. And I don't. Unless I need them, I don't get them. Apart from last week. <laughs> the problem we have with charity shops is there's a lot of people who still believe that charity shops are akin to an old-fashioned jumble sale and therefore think that they can barter for the price and all the thing. And what they don't take into consideration is, of course, especially some of the big charities, people like the British Heart Foundation, Oxfam, Save the Children, some of the really big ones, um, 
they are being managed by head office. So they have targets to reach in order so they can pay the rent and all this sort of stuff. So to come in and sort of say, oh, can we do a deal on this? is actually quite insulting, you know, because at the end of the day, what the charity is trying to do is to make as much money as possible out of the goodwill of people who are actually bringing in the goods. Now, obviously, the obvious one for people to bring in is books, because obviously you read a book and then you redonate it. And sometimes a book can go round all the charity shops <laughs> more than once or end up on a on a hospital library bookshelf but so what you know at the end of the day it's saving people money um you know so you buy a paperback for 1.99 give it to a charity shop they sell it for a pound give it to another charity shop where it's a bit tatty so they sell it for 50p and it just goes round and round and round but that's not single use is it it's keeping it out of landfill although obviously most books can be recycled because they're paper um but, you know, it, it's it's making it last longer. And I think what we need to look at as a country or as the world, as a species, I suppose, is that we need to actually think about the sustainability of the stuff we're buying. You know, why do you throw that stuff out of your wardrobe and then buy brand new? when if you've been following my YouTube or you've been following Instagram or you've been following me on my blog, you will know that it's quite possible to get hold of decent outfits from a charity shop or three. Um, you know, you can get different quality items. <laughs> well, down jacket is the obvious one. It's a quality item. Why on earth did anybody throw that out? Unless, of course, they weren't wearing it. Or it wasn't fashionable anymore. I don't give a monkeys about how fashionable anything is. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it's practical and it keeps me warm. And that's all I wanted was something that kept me warm. Because my Holofield jacket just was not doing the job anymore. Thank you so much for listening to this, uh, the penultimate episode of Grab Yourself a Carper for this season. Um, in the next two weeks, you will get uh, the last recording because I've already done that. I've had to cut this one in half because I did too much. <laughs> um, so I will be back soon. But thanks so much for listening and I will see you later. Bye bye. <laughs>